The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Each business is unique and operated individually of others in the same industry. What they have in common is the potential path to success. Welcome to The Second Stage with your hosts, Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. In today's program, we'll address the obstacles that many businesses find on that path to success and discuss what entrepreneurs and their businesses are doing to stay ahead of the curve. Now, here is Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. Welcome, everybody. It's Brendan Anderson and here at The Second Stage. That was a, I was I didn't have that well planned, Jeff. I apologize. Go ahead. Because I've yeah, it so uh, hard to remember that line. Go ahead. I know, I know. You almost forgot the name of the show too. No, I no. I just was. I had that nailed. I was ready. I've to got it. a tattoo to my arm, so okay, I, that's that's why I never I never forget. Good. So, Brennan, you know, one of our core values is uh, transparency. Is it not? It is. It's, I would actually argue it's our leading trend, our leading core value. So I'm going to lead with our leading core value at this show and just let everybody know that I'm, I'm not well, I'm feeling a little hungover. Just in um, general. You're just not well in general. I'm not well in general, but I, I um, almost killed myself with alcohol poisoning last night. And the reason for it, not that I need a reason, but the reason was that we won a very important award yesterday – the uh, Association for Corporate Growth Northeast Ohio, which includes Akron and, and Cleveland and the surrounding area, we got the Dealmaker of the Year Award, uh, along with our um, uh, fellow private equity uh, group, uh, the Riverside Company, which is an outstanding firm. And um, so I deserve to do it to myself is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I was just thinking when you were talking, I said, I hate to see if we ever got anything bigger than that, what would actually happen. <laughs> but uh, uh, no, it's, I'm, I agree. No, it was, it was, it was an absolute honor. And, and you, and uh, we were, you know, obviously thrilled to get it and thrilled to be recognized. And as, uh, you know, as always, it comes down to the people that we, you know, that we, we partner with. And, and we've been blessed with just some wonderful, wonderful partners who have really taken the process and grown some wonderful, wonderful businesses that we're extremely proud of. And that's, you know, that's what it's all about. And, uh, and every once in a while, Jeff, we let you let loose and uh, make sure it's we not pretty. That, yeah, make sure we have the taxi uh, <laughs> number tattooed on your, on your forehead so that somebody else can dial the phone for you. But um, Yeah, I need to get one of those bracelets or something like that so yeah. you guys can track my movements because I certainly can't. Right. Uh, which Good. brings me to uh, last week's topic of business insurance because I was about to say you can insure almost anything including bad behavior by, by me when I'm in a celebratory mood. But, uh, you know, it, truly with business insurance, you can insure anything that they can get statistics around, uh, you can get insurance for. 
And that's the thing that I, I think you know, when I first started in business, I always pictured insurance was just one of those kind of pain in the butt things that you did and you, you, know, and you, you, you did it once a year and you threw it in a folder and you didn't put a whole lot of thought into it because it was like kind of a just standard thing. And it continues to amaze me the types of things that, um, that you know, Jeff Schwab at Oswald uh, can come up with and, and at least you know, for, for us to consider and for our partners to consider. And I, it just continues to amaze me what is available in that, in that regard. And um, you know, I, uh, I, one of the other questions that we got a lot, Jeff, was, uh, you know, kind of how do you know when you have enough insurance? And that's a tough question. And, you know, realistically, you know, I just picture when, when we, you know, would sit down or when we sit down and we talk about how much insurance is coming for you, Jeff, but uh, <laughs> the police, yeah. Siren. Well, you know, you sit down and you, and you, and you just try to, you know, picture if something horrible did happen. And that's where, you know, people like, uh, um, like Jeff are, are, are very good at kind of saying, you know, if, if the facility burned down, how long would it take to, to replace? How, you know, how much, you know, could you really replace this equipment? Could, you know, could you really replace this inventory? Can you, you know, would your customers stick around? I mean, it's, you know, it's a pretty brutal, it's a pretty brutal process to think about it. Um, and, uh, you know, really forces you to kind of plan out. And, uh, you know, we, you know how we like planning, Jeff. It's uh, yes. one of our, yes. one of our favorite things to do. Um, but, but, you know, that's where, as you pointed out, Jeff Schwab, the Oswald companies, uh, earns his, his uh, you know, stripes with us is uh, he, he has a good business acumen. He's seen a lot. And as a result, he he's a great uh, advisor. And, uh, and I think you and I would both agree that having a broker of Jeff's caliber uh, is very important um, in having an effective insurance strategy and be able to answer those questions like, do you have enough insurance and identifying risks uh, that you probably won't see? No, absolutely. And, 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 you know, I think we said it uh, last week, he, you know, he's a guy that, uh, that, that has lots and lots of companies that he's seen lots, you know, he's you know, he's actually experienced some of these, the bad things that happen to these businesses. And so, you know, it's just amazing what you can't imagine can happen and sometimes does. So it's uh, it's uh, important stuff to think about. Well, let's turn our attention to this week's show and topic because we've got another great show planned for our listeners. And this topic is about employee discipline and discharge. And as we know, uh, when we've built businesses, Brendan, that, that the people that you start your business with aren't always the people – that can continue on with your business as it evolves. And so this is an unfortunate part of the process, but it can be um, a healthy process for the organization anyway, and it's really part of growing. You know, it's pretty, you know, it's, it's very, very important to think about this stuff. And it's obviously a horrible, you know, it's, a, it's a horrible event for, you know, the company to go through and then obviously the employee. But I would say that, you know, out of the you know 25 or so years that we've been working with small businesses, 100% of the time, when, when there's a, a bad, uh, these were to, uh, somebody that's not living by the values and not, and not, you know, kind of rowing in the same direction as the other, as the, as the other team members, a hundred percent of the time, the uh, entrepreneurs, the team, and, and eventually that person um, are relieved that the, that this action is taken. So, you know, a, a person that is, uh, that's not living by your values causes much more damage than most entrepreneurs and most owners understand. And it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's, uh, something that most entrepreneurs are very slow and, uh, you know, to move on for the same reasons that you're talking about, you know, these are, they're very uh, loyal people. Well, you know, we, 
a lot of what we talk about is is actually related to this topic. You know, we've talked about core values and having the core values, and as you just pointed out, you know, people need to live by those core values, and if they can't, then they're not a right fit for your organization. We also talk about how important it is to run a process, and what we have found in the processes uh, is it very quickly identifies people, um, you, you know, whether they should be there or not, because it does hold people accountable. There is an element of transparency to it, and um, so it's it's interesting. And a lot of the things we advocate does uh, ultimately result in um, you know making changes, whether it's moving somebody into another seat or identifying a weak link and and moving the person out. No, absolutely. And and you know, is you know it, people change over time, and uh, you know, and organizations change over the time over time, and it's just one of those things where you have to look at this stuff and hopefully if if you're you know if if you're being transparent if you're holding people accountable if you do have a process there's no there's never a surprise um you know to the to the people that would that may be um let go but um but most as we've talked about you know pretty much every single week most entrepreneurs and most small businesses don't have that sort of uh, structure so uh these issues become bigger and they become more contentious and they uh but um, it's this stuff that still has to be dealt with. So Sure, sure. Well, this week's guest is Todd Palmer. He's a partner at Calfi Alter and Griswold and someone that we've worked with in the past. And as usual, uh, you know, we have found somebody that is an expert in this area that will be able to shed a lot of light on the topic for for our listeners and, and for Brendan and I. Um, Todd provides counsel to both publicly traded and closely held companies regarding compliance with Americans with Disabilities Act, the Family and Medical Leave Act, the National Labor Relations Act, Equal Employment Opportunity Laws, Federal Wage and Hour Laws, and other state and federal laws. Um, this is his core um Focus and uh, and an expert in the area, and uh, as I said, we've we've used him in the past, and I think this will be a, a, a very good uh, show. Uh, and before we ease out of the first segment here, uh, Brendan and I would like to thank all of our listeners. Uh, who've been downloading the show and listening live. We uh, increased our listenership 170% in November uh, from October. Uh, wow. And uh, want to thank everybody for, for uh, making the show matter. And speaking of making the show matter, uh, you know, this is a, a show where we're trying to create a forum. So we'd like to have you uh, continue the discussion in our blog at evolutioncp.com or email questions into the second stage at evolutioncp.com. And also, if it's not a question, uh, suggest topics that you think that uh, we ought to take on this show, and uh, we will certainly uh, try to, to accommodate that. Uh, so with that, I'm also going to thank our uh, sponsors at McGladry. Um, they are the leading provider of assurance, tax, and consulting services focused on small and mid-sized businesses nationwide with more than 6,700 people in 75 U.S. cities. So with that, we're going to take our first break and come back with our guest, uh, Todd Palmer of Calfee Alter and Griswold. Thanks for tuning in to the second stage. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. 
This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of. A team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance Tax Consulting. What does conscious leadership mean to you? It unites organizations instead of dividing them. By exploring commonly based business challenges, it guarantees an increase in your bottom line. Tune in to Minding Our Business, Creating a Spiritual Economy with your host, Nadine Rogers. Each week, we'll hear from business leaders and learn from their strategies. We'll talk about personal and organizational best practices that you can learn from, and we'll hear from you. Minding Our Business airs live Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the second stage. This is Jeff Cadlick, and I'm here with my tag team partner, Brendan Anderson. Uh, this week's topic is employee discipline and discharge, and our guest this week is Todd Palmer, partner at Kelfi Halter and Griswold. And Todd, you and I originally met when I was thinking about uh, how to uh, fire Brendan, if I, if I don't recall. <laughs> and we probably talked at least a half a dozen times about that topic, didn't we? Uh, yes, yes. I, I, I know it's just kind of an ongoing vexing problem, and, and uh, that's, uh, 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 for better or for worse, that, that's kind of how I make my living, is uh, helping employers through those, those ongoing uh, nagging uh, employee problems. And, 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 I'm sure, and I'm sure, Jeff, you're like, but, but, but Todd, Brendan never listens to anything, so I, how I am I going to tell I, him he's I, fired? Yeah, right. I told him what you told me to say, Todd, and he's still here. I don't think I said what. I said what? Yeah. <laughs> well, Todd, in the first segment, we talked a little bit about you know living by your core values and and your and running processes and your business growing and all of these uh, and, and this employee changing over employees is just kind of a natural process, growth process or outcome of the growth process of, of some of these small small businesses. So this is a very important topic. And the, the only rule I ever live by is just no surprises. But there, there is a real important process here that you've got to abide by if you're going to do it effectively. Uh, that's exactly right. I mean, in, in a way... Uh, employee problems are, are, are maybe, it's a, maybe it's a good sign uh, for a startup or, or small business because it means that uh, the, the company has reached the point where, you know, it's no longer just the founder who's, who's you know, pouring out uh, uh, his, his blood, sweat, and tears 24-7. Uh, when, when a business is at a point where they're, they're hiring employees, uh, you know, that's, that's a sign of growth, and that's a good thing. But, but um, with that growth and, and hiring of employees, uh, you know, it, it, it's just kind of a natural part of a business's life cycle that, 
sometimes uh, the folks you hire don't work out, and, and that's where a lot of these concepts come into play. Hey, Todd, maybe talk a little bit about, you know, there's a lot of these terms that are thrown around, and, you know, and, you know one of which that I you know, hear a lot is like employer at will. Can you tell me a little bit about what employment at will? Tell me what that means. Uh, yes. Um, employment at will is in, in the state of Ohio and in a lot of other states, in fact, most other states in, in the United States, uh, the doctrine of employment at will is kind of the default setting that defines the terms and conditions of the employment relationship. And, you know, the, the, the quick and easy definition of employment at will um, is that uh, it describes an employment relationship that can be terminated at any time for any reason or for no reason at all so long as not for an illegal reason. And so when the parties, uh, when an employer and an employee enter into an employment relationship, if they don't say anything about how long the employment will last or the precise circumstances under which the employment can be terminated, uh, the, the, employment, the relationship is deemed to be one that's at will. So that's what I mean by the fact that it's the default setting. And how does that differ from, like, right to work? Uh, um, right to work has, well, right to work has been getting a lot of uh, media attention, um, you know, thanks to states like Wisconsin and Michigan and Indiana. Um, but, but right to work varies. It, uh, com- it's completely different from employment at will. Um, right to work is more of a, a concept that comes up in unionized work settings uh, and, and refers to whether uh, an employee employee is required to join the union as a condition of maintaining his or her employment. But uh, because of the, the, the media attention that Right to Work has been getting over the last couple of years, uh, a lot of employers are getting, the, are getting Right to Work and employment at will confused, but they're really two very, very different concepts. So, in, in, and I'm still not sure I understand Right to Work. So Right to Work is, is in, in a union environment, it basically, if you have a Right to Work, it would mean that you don't have to join the union? Is that That's correct. In a, in a okay. right-to-work state, uh, union membership is not uh, a mandatory condition um, of employment. So that's why right now Ohio, for example, is not a right-to-work state. But Ohio is an employment at will state. So, so if I if I wanted a job in a in a facility, and I'm sorry to beat this one up because it's I just I, I always get hung up on the if if. If if I wanted to join, uh, get take a job in a in a unionized environment, I would in Ohio. I would have to join that union. Uh, if if the collective bargaining agreement between the employer and the union requires compulsory membership, which frankly most do, especially private sector. Um, so uh, yes, in Ohio, that's that remains the law. I. Jeff, did you have any idea that? <laughs> I had I'm no still idea. shaking my head. I, yeah. I, I guess I didn't really appreciate that either. I was glad that Brendan would keep digging around this topic because, you know, I, I anyway. <laughs> I, I mean, I, 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 I guess it could be another whole segment, but but I would just be all the talk, and <laughs> yeah, I would just moan and cry yeah, the entire it, and time. It, so, and it's a very different concept from employment at will. In fact, it's almost the the antithesis in, in some ways of employment at will. Uh, but it, because of the media attention that right to work has gotten, 
uh, over the last few years, um, a lot of uh, a lot of business owners have have started to con- confuse the two terms, um, but they are they're very they're two very different concepts. Well, I was definitely one of those, and, and, and I'm going to move on here. But actually, I, you know, maybe I will. The um, in Wisconsin is is what they did was is Wisconsin. What happened in Wisconsin that they got all the fanfare? Was it that they that they became a, a right to work state? Yes. Okay. And that was a big okay. That was a big to do. All right, interesting. Yeah. You mentioned something earlier about you know that that you had it was employment at will as long and you could get rid of you know the people could 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 get rid of employees as long as it wasn't an illegal reason. What That's possibly? Right. What could be an illegal reason? Um, that that is a a, a pretty broad uh, uh, list of, of reasons, but it includes uh, federal law and. Uh, State law reasons, uh, but here they, the 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 probably first and foremost and, and broadest of those exceptions to employment at will uh, is a law that's called Title VII to the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Uh, that was the law which makes it uh, illegal for an employer to discriminate in employment uh, based on the protected classes of. Uh, race, national origin, religion, um, sex. Uh, but then Title VII uh, uh, has some additional additions to it uh, in the form of age discrimination uh, and also disability, which was a product of the Americans with Disabilities Act. So, um, yeah, the, the, going back to that, that fundamental definition of employment at will, uh, which is a relationship which can be terminated at any time for any reason or for no reason at all, so long as not for an illegal reason. It is those illegal reasons which um, which can take an employment situation outside of employment at will, and which cause employers to 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 need to be very uh, very cautious, uh, especially when dealing with someone uh, who is within one of these protected classes. And so those, so that that, I mean, that's actually a pretty humongous list. I mean, you know, um, if you, it, oh, it is, it is, and and you know, in addition to Title VII and the Americans with Disabilities Act, and the Age Discrimination and Employment Act, uh, you know, the National Labor Relations Act. I mean, there's a, a laundry list of other federal laws, but then overlaid on top of that are state laws. Um, in Ohio, we have a a state law which mirrors Title VII, the anti-discrimination statute. But then on top of that, in Ohio, you also get um, contract challenges to employment at will. Things like, well, either an express contract of employment or implied contract or a doctrine called promissory estoppel. And then in addition to that, there's, there's all manner of potential torts which can come up as a result of the employment relationship. And hey, Jeff, are- hey, Jeff, I just figured out why we have Todd, because all this stuff, is, <laughs> I mean, it literally, I, you know, I'm literally, I, I, you know, this, this whole thing about, you know, employment will, I'm like, man, that's a, that's a pretty good concept that, uh, you know, I, you know, I mean, it makes sense, right? It's, 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 let's, let's face it. And then all of a sudden, all this other stuff comes in, you're like, holy moly, it's, I, it's almost like employment at will doesn't really exist. And- and I now realize why you're still here because you fall under most of those Title Seven exactly, rules. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. And you're right. Uh, employment at will is really it's a, it's an ancient doctrine uh, that comes from from the common law in England. But in uh, uh, in in 20th century America, and I suppose now 21st century America, 
the, the doctrine keeps um, getting eroded. And one of the, the, the chief ways it's been eroded is that concept of, you know, so long as not for an illegal reason. Are there any other laws outside of those that would take it outside of the, the employment at will? Or, those, or is, that, is that enough? Yeah, those are that, that's enough. I mean, you know, I could spend you know three hours just talking about those exceptions to employment at will. But, but uh, you know, especially Title VII, the the, the anti discrimination law, um, that's probably the the uh, most commonly occurring uh, exception to employment at will that mo- that most employers face. That literally, that Title VII thing could literally be an entire another show or two or three. I mean, that, that's, uh, that's it could. It could, because it includes sex discrimination, pregnancy discrimination. Uh, and you know what? Within, you know, it, it might not be too long from now uh, that, that uh, we have another show um, about uh, sexual orientation and, and that being protected under Title VII, because that's, that's something is, that's, that's, you know, in Congress right now. Is binge drinking a uh, one of the things in that in that, in that list or no? That, um, probably not. Probably okay. um, binge drinking while uh, while a, a, a hallowed American tradition uh, probably um, probably does come within. Um, uh, well, it, it it may or may not be a disability depending. Okay. On, All right. Uh, All right. I, 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 that's that's Jeff. You're set. You're here for. I no, feel no. disabled though. I, yeah, don't, right. I don't know. I don't understand. You know the other thing that I find very disabled. confusing. Todd, is it is it is that you know we've got state laws and we got federal laws and you know t- help me understand you know what is the federal gov- government imposing and then what does the state governments typically impose? Um, the the state state requirements tend to be be less um, less broad or less far reaching uh, than than the federal and um, uh, um, laws. The, the federal laws are usually. Uh, uh, legislation, in other words, acts of Congress signed by the president. Um, the way that state law impacts employment at will, while it can be through state legislative developments, uh, it's frequently through um, um, state court proceedings and you know different causes of action which have developed under state laws. Things such as breach of contract or you know implied contract theories or. Um, something called promissory estoppel, or things like intentional torts. They, these are things which have developed over time as a result of, of court cases, in other words, judge-made law, as opposed to legislative enactments. Um, and, and then a, 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 a growing category of, of those state law uh, uh, exceptions to employment at will is, is a doctrine called uh, wrongful discharge in violation of public policy. Um, and, and that's that's a, a, a growing um, exception to employment at will that really focuses on um, uh, reasons or, or conduct by an employer uh, which is is deemed uh, just kind of bad, deemed bad by a court because it violates some some type of rights of an employee or some statutory protection, uh, and, and that. Uh, you know, again, that could be another several-hour uh, segment. Yeah. But um, uh, so, yeah, state law and especially activities by state courts, um, you know, can can also uh, uh, create these exceptions to employment at will. Yikes, Jeff, you got all that right? Yeah, yeah. I have to replay this show. Yeah, right. A couple times. The um, 
maybe discuss uh, you know some of the employee problems and, and you know, kind of maybe can these be put into general categories? I mean, maybe uh, we can talk yeah, about. Yeah, I, I think there's a kind of a, a, a simple taxonomy of of employee problems that that business owners face um, are are you know absenteeism and misconduct and performance. Most employee problems. I mean, I, I, I spend a lot of time on the phone uh, with employers um, who are dealing with problem employees, and uh, in, in my experience, most employee problems uh, that, that 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 compel an employer to pick up the phone and call someone like me fall into one of those three buckets: absenteeism, uh, in other words, not showing up or not showing up on time, um, misconduct. Uh, you know, bad behavior, breaking rules, um, you know, otherwise just, you know, I guess misbehaving, uh, or poor performance. Uh, and, and sometimes you'll have employee problems which, which or employees who, who, you know, hit all three buckets or two of the three buckets. Uh, but that's it kind of a, from a 35,000-foot level, that's, I guess, a, a, an easy-to-use taxonomy. Okay. Well, uh, Todd, I, I appreciate that, and you know, we want to in the next segment get a little bit more into the actionable advice uh, for small business owners to to actually go through the process of employee discipline and, and and discharge. But we do need to take a short break here from the second stage, and uh, please stay tuned. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of. A team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance. Tax. Consulting. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the show, The Second Stage. Uh, 
like any forum, the show will be more effective and powerful if folks contribute their experiences and ideas. So please uh, drop us a line on the second stage at evolutioncp.com or continue the discussion on employee discipline and discharge on our blog at evolutioncp.com. We're back here with our guest this week, Todd Palmer of Calfee Halter and Griswold, uh, talking about employee discipline and discharge. And when we uh, left the last segment, we were talking a little bit about some of the major categories uh, of, of employee discipline issues. And then we really want to move more into some of the actionable advice that business owners uh, need to be mindful of when uh, when going through the process. Yeah, Todd, it, it, obviously um, the laws and, and trying to keep up on them are, are, would be for, an, for a business owner, entrepreneur, it would be overwhelming. So maybe we just kind of get into, you know, how, if you're starting to have a problem uh, um, with an employee, what's, what, what do we start, what, do, what are the actionable advice? What should the, uh, what should the uh, employee do or employer do? Um, start start creating a, a, a paper trail. You know, begin documenting uh, what the problem is. Um, I mean, it just kind of as a, as a rule of thumb, uh, if if employee absenteeism or misconduct or performance, uh, if it's if it's a big enough deal to the employer that the employer wants to to counsel the employee or or enact other discipline, then it should be a big enough deal to document uh, what the employer is doing and why it, the employer is doing it. Uh, and that's really where, where good documentation comes in. When, when you, out of the documents that you, that you create, is, are, all of, is, are all of the documents shared with the employee or part of them? Can maybe give me an idea of what a good document is and which ones you share and which ones you, you, know, you, 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 put, in, you put in the employee file? Right. Um, that, that's a good point because there can be kind of two varieties of, of, of documentation. But, um, you know, the, the, the one important purpose of documenting employee problems is to educate the employee and, and I guess even give the person a chance to improve. Because sometimes, uh, uh, sometimes, you know, people, uh, people didn't know they were doing something wrong or they didn't know how to do something right. And so sometimes uh, that employee documentation uh, can actually uh, result in the person um, uh, self-correcting. And so that's that's a a big part of employee documentation that is shared with the employee. Um, Other types of employee documentation, or or I should say documentation of employee problems, uh, you know, are, are something that can be kept in... Uh, like a supervisor's file. Uh, they don't necessarily have to be shared with the employee. For example, and, and this is true probably at what I would call lesser levels of discipline, you know, like oral counseling or, you know, any kind of conversation with an employee where the person was coached. Uh, those sorts of situations, and a supervisor can just jot down some quick notes uh, that document, you know, the date and, you know, what the problem was and, and what they talked about with the employee, you know, and that can just be slipped into a file. But as, as, uh, as an employer goes through a spectrum of, of kind of ever-increasing discipline, uh, uh, you want to transition into using documents which ultimately are shared with the employee. 
that makes sense. I mean, that makes makes a lot of sense. When, when if you're a you're you're a busy uh, you're a busy owner, entrepreneur, or manager, and uh, you know what 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 you know, give me an idea of how how you document this, and and you know is there a, is there a way to do it quickly, or you know for for busy people? Uh, there there is, and that that's a really good point, Brendan, because. Uh, you know, well, really, it, it all size of businesses, whether you know startups or you know Fortune 500 companies, uh, managers and supervisors are always pressed for time. And um, too many times, I've in, in in 20 plus years of doing this, I've seen instances where documentation fails because the the individual manager or supervisor. Um, didn't make time to do the documentation, but the reason they didn't make time for it was they thought it had to be perfect. They thought it had to be something pretty, you know, something that would get a gold star from their seventh grade uh, English teacher. Uh, and that's not the case at all. Um, uh, you know, documentation of employee problems, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be pretty. Uh, you know, a, a piece of paper and a pen are probably the two of the most effective tools uh, a, a manager or supervisor can use when documenting problems. Um, you know, the, the, the kind of key elements, what makes for good documentation is, uh, one, that it's done on a timely basis, uh, but also that it explains the problem and states the expectation and defines the consequences. Uh, but, you know, if that can be done with, you know, on a piece of notebook paper and a pen, um, you know, and also just put on a date, uh, you know, if it's dated and, and um, you know, signed off on by the, the manager or supervisor so that down the road, if need be, uh, uh, a lawyer who's trying to defend the case can figure out who wrote it. Um, that, that's all it takes. It doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be a, a really, you know, wonderfully formatted memorandum uh, that, that's grammatically perfect. You know, just anything that down the road, uh, uh, the employer, if there's a claim, that, you know, if it's usable, uh, you know, if it's just clear, somewhat legible, um, that'll do. Does it ever make sense? I know one of the things that Jeff and I have talked about in the past is if you are in the process of documenting something like this, does it make sense to copy your lawyer on this? Is there any special privileges that if you're copying a lawyer that you would get if you're, you know, if, if in later down the road? Um, uh, well, no. If, if it's documentation that's going to be shared with the employee, just right. copying the lawyer, the, the, the act of, of, of giving it to the employee uh, will remove it, will take it outside attorney-client privilege. But certainly uh, uh, in advance uh, of, of giving that to the employee and while preparing it, uh, the attorney-client privilege can attach. Uh, and, and that that takes the, the business owner or the manager or supervisor, you know, picking up the phone and, and talking with counsel. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. What, um, when, you know, obviously uh, business owners are out there and they're trying to, they're documenting things and they're, and they're you know, being transparent and trying to communicate with the employee and things just aren't, aren't working. At what stage is it, you know, do you suggest reaching out and actually, you know, discussing this more formally with, with a lawyer? Um, I, I think whenever uh, whenever an employer is dealing with an employee in one of the protected classes and they are getting to a, a level of discipline that, that's 
you know, either, you know, like a final written warning or, of course, termination. In other words, when they're getting to the, to, to the serious levels of, of discipline, uh, then it makes sense to, to reach out to outside counsel. And, and the reason to do that is um, uh, under, under the federal and state anti-discrimination law, that thing I, I've referred to as Title VII, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, uh, when an, em, an employee brings a discrimination claim against an employer, the employer, uh, as part of the, uh, its legal burden, has to articulate a legitimate non-discriminatory reason. And uh, the, the way that counsel can help on a, a kind of pre-final discipline or pre-termination basis is to help the employer shape that legitimate non-discriminatory reason. Because the, 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 the worst sorts of cases to defend are ones where the, the reason that the employer articulates for the discharge, you know, in court or say in, in before the, an agency like the EEOC, where that region or where that reason differs from the reason that was given to the employee at the time the discipline was enacted. Um, and the danger in that is is that's where a good plaintiff's lawyer uh, can demonstrate that the employer's reason was actually bogus, that it was just sham. And therefore, discrimination must have been the real reason. So, um, getting counsel involved at, at kind of a pre-serious uh, discipline stage uh, can help the employer to to shape and refine its legitimate non-discriminatory reason, and that pays pays a lot of dividends uh, if legal claims ensue. Oh, that, that's uh, <laughs> that actually makes a ton of sense when. Um, so, so you know, we've we've documented it. We've 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 tried to communicate with the employee. We've we've been transparent. We've talked to the lawyer, but it's it's coming time. We we got to make a move. Um, can you can I walk me through maybe the best way to implement um, that decision? Uh, yeah, and yeah, Todd. In addition to yeah. that, um, do, do you suggest always having somebody else in the room and not just be there yourself? Uh, yes, that's that's probably one of my first. Uh, uh, my, my first tips about implementation is is don't do it alone. Um, I think it's best for employers to deliver uh, very serious discipline, especially termination, uh, at least when it's physically possible uh, to do it on a face-to-face basis. Um, that just it 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 uh, affords the situation the respect it's due. Um, additionally, there are um, nothing looks worse than if, if uh, the case ends up going to court and, and going to a jury, um, if if the plaintiff's lawyer uh, can stand up to the jury and say, you know, and these hard-hearted people uh, didn't even have the common courtesy to, to inform my client of his termination, you know, to his face. They sent him an email. Um, you know, if, if you don't do it face-to-face, uh, a, a plaintiff's lawyer down the road will try to paint you out as having been cowardly, and, and that's never a good place to be. So uh, face-to-face, whenever it's physically possible, is, is the best way to do it. But you're right. Um, uh, the, the, the manager or business owner who's delivering the news should never do it alone. Always have a wingman. Always have another person from management 
preferably HR, present um, who can be there to serve as a witness. Uh, and um, also just, you know, having a wingman, you know, can have a calming effect on, uh, on the manager or supervisor himself. Because let's face it, these are very difficult conversations for people to have. Maybe talk about when you... When, I was going to say, when you go to the meeting, is it, what else? What, what do you bring with you? I mean, obviously, when we get, let's, I'd like to talk quickly about you know a separation agreement. Do you suggest one or some form of release? But what else do you? What else would you suggest? You know, taking with you to the to the meeting or giving to the employee or being prepared to give. Right. Um, I always advise uh, uh, employers to just have a, a short set of talking points. You know, it's probably just a one-page collection of. of you know, maybe uh, five or six or I guess however many are appropriate bullet points that can serve as a roadmap for the conversation. It's not something that gets used as a script where you want to read it word for word, uh, but that roadmap is, is, is very helpful to help the conversation stay on topic. Uh, and the other, uh, the other nice benefit of having those talking points is at the end of the meeting, uh, the person who delivered those talking points can just, you know, take a pen, put check marks next to each one, uh, with the check mark indicating that okay, I covered these things, and then you just sign and date the document, and, and you instantly have a, a set of notes about what was said in the meeting. Um, so, uh, I, I, I uh, really recommend those talking points documents uh, for employers. As far as giving anything to the employee, um, well, well, I'll discuss separation agreements in a moment, but um, a lot of times uh, employees say, well, you have to give me a letter stating the reason for my termination. Uh, that's not true at all. Uh, oral terminations are, are you know, completely valid. Uh, they, they are of the same effect as, as you know, anything put in writing. Um, and indeed, we, you know, my, my counsel for most employers is, is to deliver terminations you know, just through oral conversation and not present to the employee um, some formal letter that, that goes through chapter and verse about all the reasons for the, the, the termination. Um, these meetings are, 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 are best uh, when they are brief uh, and, um, uh, and, and especially when the employer sticks to the message and, and does not permit any type of debate or argument. No, I, no, I appreciate it. And then maybe just briefly um, on the separation agreement, uh, you know, do you suggest it? Is it, uh, you know, does it, does it make sense to have a separation agreement with, with yeah, some sort Bre of release? Brendan, I'm going to give you the classic lawyer's answer. It depends. Uh, <laughs> there, are, there are certainly situations uh, where an employer is well-served uh, going into a termination meeting, um, having a, a proposed separation agreement in hand. Uh, and, and I should clarify, when I say separation agreement, uh, I, I mean a document uh, which includes a release of claims. Because uh, the nice thing about a, a separation agreement and, and a release of claims, it allows the employer to effectively buy out the legal risk um, you know, by making some offer of, of separation pay or, or maybe some type of benefit continuation or something else that's of value to the employee. Uh, but, but there are some risks to uh, going the route of a separation agreement. Um, one is uh, 
presenting the agreement to the employee can have the effect of driving the employee into the arms of a lawyer when maybe um, maybe he or she was not otherwise thinking about legal claims. Uh, and, and the other potential downside of a separation agreement with a release of claims is that it can invite a negotiation. Uh, and, you know, like all business owners know, sometimes... Uh, when you invite a negotiation, the, the price gets higher than you ever wanted to pay. Um, yeah. But um, but no, there are there are absolutely situations, especially I guess what I call high risk terminations, uh, where where approaching the employee with a separation agreement from the very first moment um, can be very beneficial. Well. Uh... You know, you certainly complicated the, as clear as you've been. It's certainly uh, you've brought so many factors into the discussion that I wasn't even thinking about. But uh, I guess that's why we have you, Todd. Uh, nah, and we well, certainly I, I, appreciate I, you have you, you being on this show because, uh, as always, Brendan and I learn quite a bit every show that we that we host, and uh, and again uh, learn quite a bit. So. Uh, Todd Palmer of Calfee Halter and Griswold, thank you so much for being on our show. And uh, with that, we are going to take a short break and be back to you to to give our final thoughts on employee discipline and discharge. Uh, so stay tuned. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of. A team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance. Tax. Consulting. If you have a small business or are thinking of buying a small business, be sure to check out Biz Broker Talk with hosts Robert Howells and Doug Scheiding. You'll have a better understanding of the buying and selling process when it comes to businesses, what you need, how it's done, and most importantly, the recommended process to a successful closing. Through their advice and expertise, you can learn how a broker determines the most probable sales price of a business and issues that can be addressed prior to selling to maximize value. Biz Broker Talk airs Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the second stage. This is Jeff Cadlick, and I'm here with my tag team partner, Brendan Anderson. And, Brendan, once again, we, we've learned uh, a ton on a show uh, about a new topic. I really do think that that's a great topic because, I mean, Jeff, think about how long you and I have been at this, and it just it, – it, it, 
there's just lots of things to remember. And and, and I got to tell you, you know, Jeff, I, I know you're going to find this hard to believe that I'm going to get on my little uh, my my milk crate and moan and cry a little bit, but uh, I, I almost feel that there's that there. I guess it's a soapbox as opposed to a milk crate, right? Yeah. So, soapbox. But you knew what I was. But you knew what I, knew I was talking about. Did yeah. I stop you? Did no. I stop? I Forget it. He's on a roll. Was it over when the Germans <laughs> bombed Pearl Harbor? Um, but if you think about, I mean, it's it. It's frustrating because you think that there's, you know, as a growing firm, there's a counter reason to hire somebody from those from those classes. Now, you know that the people that that we are trying to do business with wouldn't think that way and so forth. But it's it's just when the government gets involved in this stuff, they create problems that that almost that potentially could hurt somebody, a hardworking person from one of those classes. But I'll get off. I'm, I just stepped off my soapbox. But you know what? It goes back to the core values. And during the interview process, if you if you are trying to determine whether or not somebody ascribes to those same core values, in my mind, it shouldn't matter what class, uh, you know, one of these Title Seven classes or otherwise, uh, somebody's uh, under. But I get your point. Yeah. And, well, and, I, and of course, there are laws around all of that as well. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> but I, and I think it goes back to what we were saying: is if you have your core values and you're hiring to that, and you're being transparent, and you're being open with the employees, and you're setting you're, you're setting the expectations, and you're and so forth, there shouldn't be any surprises. And that is by far the best, um, the best guard against against this sort of thing. Because you know what we do know for sure, Jeff, is that when you're out there and you have a, a culture of trans, transparency and accountability, the people that are that consistently don't meet the the requirements, you know, the, the the things that they're being held accountable for, largely leave on their own because it's a you know, they don't enjoy being in that in that culture. And um, so that's you know that doesn't universally happen, but that's definitely one thing to be to be, you know, reason to drive what we're trying to do or mm-hmm. to do what we're trying to pitch. Blah, blah, well, blah. And, and and Todd, you know, I I have always said no surprises, and um, and what that means to somebody like Todd is, you know, that's when you start the documentation process, and I think that's your probably your biggest protection is having a documentation that that yeah. uh, you know lays out all of your reasons uh, over a period of time, and that you've communicated with with the employee about the issues. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, you know, and I think his point about when, you know, when entrepreneurs run out of time and they think it's got to be a perfect document, you know, you and I, I guarantee you we've we've thought that and you say, I'm going to sit down, block out a half an hour or an hour and write this, you know, this summary. And it really is about kind of tackling those three key things. And, um, And I think that's another theme we consistently say is just start doing it, you know, just do it. And it doesn't have to be perfect. So that's uh that's good. I like it. So, Brennan, you know, it's that time of the show again. You've got to come up with something that uh, blows my remaining hair back off the top of my head. You know, I've been thinking about this, Jeff, and I'm thinking. Because you're prepared now. I'm, well, I don't know if I'm prepared because, you know, I also was out with you not quite as late <laughs> as you were. But I, you know, I, I did have a tough morning also now that I can come clean. It's at the end of the show, right? Yep. Um, I, if you're an employer, create an employee plan with your lawyer. I tried to make it smaller, but every yeah. as we kept talking, I, you know, I kept adding words. But you know, Jeff, it really is. It come, you know, it, it, it is. It, this stuff's important stuff, and and you gotta and you gotta write it down. And and, and uh, you know, if you're, you know, the, the greatest thing about being an entrepreneur is the people you work with. And sometimes that can also be, in a very select case, you know, some some of the worst things about being an entrepreneur or an employer. So. 
No, that's exactly right. And uh, again, you you amaze me with your your talents uh, yeah. and your ability. I think once once the show is over, you you have a second career in in rapping. I think. Well, I'm thinking about maybe doing some greeting cards. <laughs> you could do that too. You you probably you have a face for greeting cards. I, I really do. Face for I for podcasts and greeting cards. That's, exactly. I'm going to put that on my my little my LinkedIn profile. So everyone, we hope that you've enjoyed today's show and join us again next Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, and we will have another interesting topic for you to to listen to. And hopefully, you've you've learned a lot about employee discipline and discharge in this show. I uh, want to thank you again for. Uh, listening to the show and as we had said earlier a 170% increase in listenership from uh, October to November so that's uh, very very exciting and uh, we need to have passion for possibilities to also Brennan we got to make sure yep. that uh, you got to bring it every day so with that we're going to sign off this week's show the second stage and thanks for tuning in Thank you for tuning in this week to The Second Stage. Please join Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson again next Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And have a successful week. Music.